The following conversation was recorded at 8020 United Methodist Church in O'Fallon, Missouri, during one of our dinner church teaching times. For more information about 8020 United Methodist Church, please visit 80-T-W-E-N-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H.org. I wonder if you've ever spent a lot of time with someone and realize that you become kind of like them in a certain way. Have you ever done that? I, whenever I think of this, it makes me think back to high school and middle school. I had some friends that like we started talking like each other. Does anybody have a friend like that? And you start to have like vocabulary that only the two of you use. And then like well, the way you pronounce stuff, you just start like, you know, you just you slowly, uh, the more time you spend together, you just kind of like, to where you go places, people are like, oh my gosh, you guys are, you know, you're Twinkies, you're joined at the hip, whatever, you know, like, um, how about marriage? Has anybody had that experience in marriage? <laughs> I wonder, just for kicks and giggles, who's the longest married person that's here today? You got 16? Less. Oh. Well, 24, all right. That's a long run. <laughs> you did 27, nice. Don, you can't remember? We won't tell Jen, it's all right. <laughs> but I don't know if people who have had marriage partners, if you start to notice that like, you start to think alike. You maybe start to dress alike. You start to act alike. I swear, sometimes I look at people and they just start to look alike. You ever, you know what I mean? Like, have you ever had that like realization? Like, wow, like over the years, they just start like looking like one another. Um, well, we've been using the image of a house. Um, and we've talked about a couple of different types of grace. We've talked about, and I'll just kind of bring us back up to speed, the provenient grace for when we're out there, when we sometimes feel like we're lost, don't know where to turn, don't have a lot of answers, lost from God. That's called provenient grace, what God does for us in the faraway country time of our lives, where God is, is protecting us when we don't know that God's protecting us. God is um, providing things we need when we don't really realize that God's providing things we need. God is trying to send messages to us and people to us to kind of help show us the way home, right? We help open our eyes to, to, to know that we need to go home, right? Um, and so that's all what God does without us like knowing a thing about it. God's love is expressed through provenient grace way out there. And then like the one of the stories we've been studying when the person comes to their senses and they start to decide, wait, I do want to go home to God. And when they cross through that door, the only reason they can cross through that door is because of what Jesus did on the cross. The only reason they're worthy, the only reason they're, they're um, able to participate fully in the life of God is because of what Jesus, the perfect human, did to give them access. That's justifying grace. And then you might say, well, that's the finish line, right? They made it home. Um, like... What more is there, right? We made it. We're in the house. What's left? Um, some evangelical traditions um, view saying the sinner's prayer as more of like an ending. Like, oh, we did it. They're, they're saved now. And it's almost like 
you know, that's, that's, that's the climax. That's the goal. That's, that's what, what we're doing. But what if there's another type of miraculous grace? Because I'm going to tell you what, both of these are miraculous types of grace. The fact that God like goes after us to, to bring us to safety and bring us home. The fact that Jesus did, that's all like these huge, huge miracles. And what more could there be? Now, I also want to point out, this is sometimes referred to as the order of salvation. And last week we posed a question, what is even salvation? <laughs> what does that mean? Is it a saved soul or a saved whole? Like, are we talking about like, you know, going to heaven when we die? Or are we talking about like the healing and restoration of everything that we see? Um, rescue from oppression, forgiveness of sin, healing, being restored to wholeness? The answer is yes, 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 and yes, right? Like salvation is all of those things. So if someone believes Christ has begun a work of salvation in them, this week we ask, okay, then what's next? right? Is that just the time we can just sit around and, and, and throw a party and just sit there, right? Or um, what's after that? So the re another religious word I want us to think about, one you might have heard before, um, it's a New Testament word used often in the New Testament as well, is eternal life. Anybody ever heard that, that phrase before, eternal life? Yep. What is that? What words come to mind if you were going to do a word cluster? Heaven? Or hell. Or hell. <laughs> okay. What else? Paradise? Does something like that maybe come to mind? Forever. Never-ending pleasure maybe, right? Like never-ending church. Someone told me one time, they're like, okay, is heaven like a never-ending church service? Because I think I've probably been to one of those already, you know, <laughs> like where it just goes on and on and on. I don't know if that's really something that I want to do. Um, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of work with folks who are suffering. I don't know, I'm just drawn to it. And I, in my work um, and conversations I've had, you know that there are some people who don't view eternal life as something positive? They have said to me, life is so hard and so painful, I can't, like, trying to think about doing that forever just sounds like about the worst thing I could ever imagine, right? Like, I can't imagine doing that. That might be the worst thing I could think of. Um, so we have all these ideas about eternal life and what that might be. Did you know Jesus actually gives a definition for us? It's really exciting to me. Anyway, so... Um, you might want to write this down, I think. This is like a write-downable. <laughs> All right, so Jesus says in John chapter 17. Yeah, John chapter 17, and we'll start with verse 1. Jesus says, it says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. And this is what Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people. I just want to point out here the kingdom of God is universe wide. God wants glory from the entire universe is going to give God glory. 
um, over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. And here's the definition. You'll find it right there in verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I just want to think about that for a second. Is it playing golf on 75 degree days and sunny? Is it, you know, people talk about all kind of different things. Jesus says, this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He goes on and says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. What's that? We're talking about the cross, right? Like we're looking, at, we're looking forward to the cross. That's how Jesus gives God glory. We have a cruciform savior. He's not talking about being like Taylor Swift on stage in front of millions of people. The cross is the glory of God. And then he goes on and says, and now Father glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus has known this glory. Um, talk about co-eternal, co-existing. Uh, but I really wanna just focus right there on that verse three, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now that Greek tense of that verb to know is ongoing. It's not like that they knew you or they will know you or that they just like know you like a static kind of once and done. It's a, that they are learning to know you. And that makes sense because if it's eternal, then that, that's gonna take a long time, right? Uh, that they are learning to know you. It's an ongoing thing to know God as God really is, to take in God's generosity and patience, humility, and deep love. Eternal life is to live after God's way. You think back to the Garden of Eden, before people, before we rebelled and messed everything up, the way we were created to live, the restoration of the image of God in each of us, because we've all marred that image, and, and God is restoring us, the way that God created us, in perfect love, perfect joy, perfect peace. Now, not just intellect either to know God. Do you know what two times two is? Four, good, yes. <laughs> That's an intellectual thing. I know that God is the Hebraic, you know, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from, you know, the year blah, blah, blah. That's not what we're talking about. I mean, yes, it's good to know things about God. But they're talking about communion with God, a relationship with God, truly knowing and taking in who God is. Do you remember we talked about the more time you spend together with someone, the more you look like them, talk like them, dress like them, think like them, can finish each other's sentences, right? This is the knowing. That, in and of itself, is the stuff of eternal life. Um, John Wesley calls it being perfected in love. This stage of, you know, there's, there's this kind of coming to Jesus thing, and then there's a whole lifetime, a whole eternity of knowing, learning to know who God is. Being perfected in love. It's also called sometimes being sanctified holy. Anybody ever heard that term before? Being sanctified holy. <laughs> I grew up in a tradition that talked about that a lot. But... 
to me, and if you can go to the picture of the house, that sanctifying grace, that last one, that is such a huge miracle. In my life, I, don't, I can't tell you the point when I crossed the door. I really don't know, right? Like, I grew up in a house where my mom played the piano at church, and my dad was a theologian and a Bible scholar and preached and, and you know, was on staff, and we were always at the church 8,000 times a week, and I grew up like that. I cannot tell you a time when I crossed the door. But I remember a time when I was 16 where I kind of felt like in my heart I had gone away from God. I was like the prodigal, right? Like, I'm like, mm-mm. Like, I don't, whatever. Like, and I'm just going to go have fun. I'm going to do what I want to do. And have you ever met, a, like, a 16-year-old girl that's, like, totally boy crazy? <laughs> that was me. And have you ever thought to yourself, that girl is, like, her mind is just, like, all it thinks about, right? Like, nothing can change that. How in the world can I get through to her, right? So that was me. Right, and then there was this this summer that I there was this two or three week intensive um, choir tour thing that I did, and we were studying the Bible, and um, something went off and uh, it made sense to me and broke through to me, and so even though I had been in church that whole time, I think my heart had wandered away, and I was coming back and. The thing that really, really is like, guys, it's, I know that I know that I know that I know, is that God changed my desires, my whole heart. I didn't think that could be possible. Like before I went on this thing, all I wanted, I was like obsessed even, right? With like these little boyfriend people, right? And then suddenly, I didn't care about that at all. And all I wanted was Jesus. And all I wanted was to know God. And all I wanted, like I was so excited and it, it deadened those desires in me. I can't, it's just, to me, <laughs> you might say, whatever, that's normal, blah, 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 it's just a teenager. But I know there was a miracle that took place in my heart to where, God changed me. And so this, this, I remember they talked about sanctifying grace during that time. And I remember I came home and I'm like, mom and dad, how come you never told me about sanctification? That's what I said to him. That's what I needed. I need to be sanctified. <laughs> right? Like I needed a change of my heart. I needed to be changed. Um, you know, they talk about this a lot. Well, pray the sinner's prayer. Pray that. Okay. Yes. But then is it possible that God can actually change me? That's huge and miraculous news. You guys never told me about that. They're like, we did, Amy. You just, you never heard it. So um, change, transformation, becoming like God, being restored to the image of God that we were totally, beautifully created to be comes through communion with God. The more time you spend with God, the more you become like God. And we tell you, you know, in church, you know, over and over, they say, well, you need to pray. You need to study your Bible. You need to fast. You need to take Sabbaths. You need to do good works. You need to work for justice. You need to go to church. You need to have spiritual conversations. Why? Because this is the stuff of eternity. 
when we seek the Lord, there are times when there are moments of eternity, moments of heaven, whatever you call it. Like we're sitting here trying to describe something with images and words that's indescribable, okay? But there, and trust me, there's something of divine love that breaks through sometimes into our mundane, into our mortality, and into our drab and dying banal existence. Do you hear me? We get up and we go like this, money, coffee, all through my day, you know, da-da-da. But when we spend time with the living God, when we are after God's heart, when we are communing with God, not always, right? Like sometimes it's just like, Okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to get from that scripture today, Lord, but I love you, and I'm going to continue to, to, to keep seeking you, right? But there are times when heaven truly breaks through, and we start to realize God is changing us and sanctifying us. This is, like, really good news. Like, really good news, And I love being a part of a tradition that acknowledges that third part. You know, getting into heaven isn't the end. Like, God wants to continue. Because guess what? We're going to have all of eternity to continue to grow and to be like God. Knowing who God is and taking God in and being changed. We're never going to be done exploring this amazing house that is God. There's always something more precious, more beautiful to discover. So um, I have, this is going to, you know, we usually don't do like theology time or whatever. But uh, if you go to the next slide, I'm going to share a couple of FAQs, if you will, regarding this idea of sanctification. Now, I know I threw a, a, a big theological word at you. Everybody say sanctification. So that's, sorry, I don't know what else. I mean, there's, that's the word. Um, but one, people talk about this all the time. Does sanctification happen instantaneously or gradually? Two, is it possible to be wholly sanctified in this life? So I invite you, this is like just just a theological, and oh, by the way, as with everything else we do here, it's okay to have, we, none of this, nobody's an expert, no, nobody's got all the corner of like being right or wrong, and even me, you know, like if you don't, if there's something that I say that you're like, oh man, I really don't think so, that's, that's okay, we, we like to say here, take what helps you become a more faithful follower of Christ and leave the rest. So allow one another to kind of explore. And I wonder what you think around your tables, if you want to bat these around. And then I will share my um, thoughts regarding these two um, in a minute after you guys have some discussion time with them. I can't answer these because honestly, it doesn't, there's not a right answer and a wrong answer. But I do, I do enjoy certain perspectives that I want to lift for you. Is that, is that okay? The founder of United Methodism writes a whole thing about this. Does sanctification happen instantaneously or gradually? That he answers, yes! <laughs> Whatever it is! Yeah, yeah, yeah! You know, and the thing is, there are
are so many people that he says there's people that testify about this. Suddenly, like, their desire to sin, their desire to do, any, you know, all this stuff, it's just gone one day. Like, if there's people that testify, let's believe them. Yeah! You know? And then we get a problem, though, because, um, you know, one of the hallmarks of God's character, when we, if Christ is the exact representation of God, like, the most descriptive character trait about Christ is probably humility, at least one of them. So let's say if that is true, well, then nobody would know about it, right? Because they're walking around in such deep gratitude and humility and just pouring out love, loving people well, right? So I don't know, but, but then for sure it happens gradually, right? When all of your time, I mean, this is just for sure. I mean, like not a lot of people have this experience where they're suddenly like, whoa, like, full of love, fiery love, and that's it, no sin, right? Um, but like, <laughs> but there's people that testify to this, right? So, um, but if it does happen gradually too, which is the more common probably, um, it's not any less significant. Like this is a huge work of God in our hearts and our lives. But Wesley also says, but don't you kind of want it? Like now? So like, pray for it. Worst thing that could happen is you don't, <laughs> right? But what if you pray for sanctification and you just, you know, you're just changed from the tip of your head to your bottom of your toenails and you just are so full, of, you know, pray for that. Pray for it every day, you know, and then seek God and live in that, you know? So I love that. I love that idealism. That's what I, I love this perspective that says, go for it. Pray for it. God, it's a gift from God. Who knows? Maybe God will give that gift to you, Right? That'd be the best thing ever. So question number two, um, uh, this is another surprising thing. Everyone I ever talked to this about is like, no, 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 not possible, right? Like this is not possible to be wholly sanctified in this life. Like we're always going to sin. We're always going to struggle. It's always going to be, you know, I'm just, and, that, and that's, you know, but there's a couple of, of uh, scriptures that, um, uh, some holiness theologians, and I'm just lifting this up for you because I enjoy this perspective, all right? It gives me hope, hope and encouragement. Phoebe Palmer says, okay, if God, if Jesus says, well, he repeats the, the, the Old Testament, God says, be holy for I am holy. She's like, that's called a covered promise. Because when God tells us to do something, is God going to sit up there and be like, I told him to do something, but <laughs> it's impossible for him, high five, you know, like, is this guy going to laugh at us and just say that's impossible? She says it's a covered promise. He commands it, so God's grace is there to be able to make it possible. Not only that, what's impossible with humans is possible with God, so have faith to believe God can do this work in you. I love that perspective. I love that perspective uh, because it gives us hope and it gives us um, kind of encouragement um, to, to actually live into this calling on our lives. Yeah, God wants to complete these works in our lives. God wants to, our mission statement at 8020 Church is to restore the community by living and loving like Jesus everywhere we go. In a sense, Getting that third type of grace where God is really, really doing a work in us and changing us and making us more like Christ, that is kind of like our mission statement. Because then everywhere we go, um, we'll be people that are extensions of God's love. 
We don't have other motives when, you know, we're, God is doing that in our hearts and our, in our minds and our lives. We won't be trying to get back at people or trying to one-up people or trying to be more powerful, but we'll be just loving people, right? Like this is an extension of God's love. Um, so anyway, that's, those are some of the, um, I don't know, I, I get really excited about this topic because I think it's just, it's where God wants us to go, right? We're in the house, um, and God wants us to not just sit around, but like, God wants to continue to pour God's grace in us because God's still bringing us um, into God's fullness. Whether that happens a lot all at once, tiny bit by tiny bit, whether that happens now, tomorrow, later, like this is God's gift to us. It's our privilege and our honor to commune with God because Jesus made it possible. And it's amazing. 